Alright, broadcasting to you live from the Hot Rise Studios in Merrimack, New Hampshire. This is the What Are You Reading show? Podcast. Podcast. What Are You Reading podcast? We're on iTunes now. Did I tell you that? We're on iTunes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but... Like, you can go to the iTunes store and you can find the podcast. Yeah, I know, but like, how do you do that? I tried searching it and I didn't find it, so... Oh, it's so easy. Nice. <clears throat> All right, so here we are. I'm drinking coffee, which I don't normally do, so I'm going to be pretty hyper in like five minutes once this gets to my brain. But yeah. um, we got two books today, just like normal. I've got one called The Greatest Miracle in the World, which I read probably two weeks ago. But it was really good. I'm excited to talk about it. What do you have today? I have a book called, from the same author as last time, John Mark Comer, the book's called God Has a Name. Nice. Another creative looking cover. Yep. Very creative. This is a new one, actually. I didn't know he was coming out with it until like the day after. Nice. So once I saw it, I bought it right away. It's been awesome. Nice. So let's talk about yours first. Alright, so Greatest Miracle in the World. Um, it's by this guy, Og Nandino. His first name is O.G. Um, so Og. <laughs> I never knew how to pronounce it until I read this book of his. I, always, I don't know what I thought it was before. Um, but basically, it's semi-autobiographical. Um, he, it's based on um, his life, but it's also fictional. It kind of weaves in like these, this mystical component, which, you know, um, similar to The Alchemist. In the, it's, a, it's a short book, easy read. Um, but it's a story and it's designed to, um, I don't know, I guess make you feel better. It's, it's kind of in the self-help genre. Mm. So it starts out where he's a, um, I want to say he's an editor with a magazine, success, like success magazine. He's a, just, um, he's a writer and an editor yeah. with the magazine and he manages to meet this guy, this retired guy, he's like an 80 year old or something, and they start having these conversations. And it gets to the point where he asks the guy, you know, what do you do? Mm. And he says, I'm a rag picker. He's like, a rag picker? A rag picker. Rag picker? Which I guess in, back in the day was like, people would go around and pick up trash okay. or something. I might be making that up, I have no idea. <laughs> um, but it's something like that. And basically, what the way that he explains it, he asks, you know, so the title of the book is The Greatest Miracle in the World, right? Mm -hmm. So he asks the main character, the guy who the, base, the book is based off of, this is the old person asking Ogmen, do you know a question? Mm -hmm. He says, you know, I, what would you say is the greatest miracle in the world? So Luke, what would you say is the greatest miracle in the world? Like if you could do any miracle on this planet, what would be the greatest miracle in the world? If I could do any miracle, oh yeah. boy. I wanna say. I'm putting him on the spot here, just so you guys know. I feel like I should say something like heal all diseases or. That would be one. Okay. Eventually they, they I think they go through a couple yeah. And it gets to the greatest miracle in the world is to raise somebody from the dead. Hmm. A la Lazarus. Like that is yeah. 
you know, if you could pick anything, supposedly that is the greatest miracle in the world. So his job that he has given himself as rag picker is to essentially raise people from the dead. And it's not the way that we're thinking of that right now where somebody's like actually physically dead mm. and they get raised to life. It's spiritually dead, it's like emotionally dead. It's that state of no dreams, no hopes, like mm. a loss of purpose. Like you've just, you've become a shell of what you used to be. Right. And he sees it as his mission to go around and breathe life and to stoke that fire in people. Um, he's just a retired guy who's really successful and that's how he's chosen to, I guess, spend his remaining years, quote unquote. Yeah. And so that's the role that he's playing um, with Ogmandino. And so he calls himself a rag picker because it's like he's going around and find, finding quote unquote junk or people that feel like they're junk yeah. and helping them to feel like treasure again. Huh. Yeah, it's, real, it's really good. Um, they start to grow attached and apparently he's, he feels like he's gotten this memorandum from God that he's wanted to publish but he decides he wants Ogmandino to publish it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's these four main things um, these four main, I guess, commandments that he feels like God has given people. Um, and the four things are A, to count your blessings, B, to, let's see, proclaim your rarity. So just you're unique, you know, you're the only person that's ever been created with your combination of cells and everything. Like, right. <clears throat> you're called to go out and proclaim that and be who you're supposed to be um, go another mile which is just everything that you do on this planet um, you're supposed to do more than what's asked of you and by doing that more is going to come to you um, and then use wisely your power of choice like one of the most powerful things that we have as humans is the ability to choose and it's using that wisely and then he ties all those together by saying like do all of these things with love so it's a whole there's a whole chapter that goes into spelling out each of those but those are the four main commandments that he has i suppose and then ogmandino publishes that book it's essentially the greatest miracle in the world is yeah the book that he publishes with those commandments and the story of meeting this guy yeah so huh. interesting yeah, I really liked it. Um, I mean, again, it fits into the kind of books that I read in general. But so it's it's like factual, but with a fictional fictional spin. From what I understand, I'm pretty sure that in his life he actually met a guy. Because from what I know, I'm pretty sure Agmandino himself was like an alcoholic. He was a he might have even been homeless. Like he was just. Um, a shell of himself mm. and he went on to become like the greatest salesman in the world which is his most popular book sold millions and millions of copies like I'm reading that one too now and it's like this guy went from nothing to something mm -hmm. um, and I think it was because he had somebody in his life who breathed fire into him mm. Interesting. and it's just cool to think like you know what 
there, there are a bunch of different angles I could take this in, but I, I think like, you know, we all have people in our lives that we can do that for. Um, so from that perspective, like it's who's been assigned in your life, who is there um, that you have contact with that maybe has lost hope, has lost some of their passion, their dreams. Mm. Who can you help to breathe life into and are you doing that? Um, and then from the, the other perspective, like, <clears throat> are you in that position where you maybe have lost some of your hopes or your dreams or you're not doing one of those commandments? Like, I know I read the go an extra mile thing and that was convicting for me because there are sometimes in my job or sometimes in certain things that I do where it doesn't feel like I'm putting every, leaving everything on the table that I possibly could be. Right. Um, or am I counting my blessings? Like, am I really every single day considering the fact that I have like a working heart and I have like hands and feet and like just eyes like yeah one of the things that this book says and it's something I think we've been told before but we kind of just um gloss over it it's just like you already have everything Mm. you're equipped already to do anything that you want like you're everything you've been given, the brain you've been given, like, it's more valuable than anything, like, you could try to capture outside of yourself. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So do you feel like you have someone that you're able to do that for? To, to breathe that life into them? Yeah, I wouldn't say that, I'd say there are multiple people and some of whom I do a better job than others with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do enjoy. I find it honestly, I find it easier to do that for other people than I feel to do it for myself. If that makes sense. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. Do you I don't feel know, just maybe because I'm hard on myself? You know? Yeah. Do you still feel like even even if it's harder, do you feel like you get that or have that? in some way like that life and that enough that you can like you receive that enough that that's what drives you giving it I don't know it might be that I give it that helps me to receive it I don't know yeah I don't know I can always use more I know that for sure I think everybody on this planet can use more it's so easy to get um, dragged down by like because you compare yourself to other people and um, just feelings of inadequacy and failure, like it's, yeah. it's just, it surrounds you and this world is so negative, like the more people that are around you, it's, there's a quote I think that says like you're um, destined to become like the five people that you surround yourself with the yeah. most, like if you're surrounding yourself with negative people, it doesn't matter how how much life you have within you that's going to start to get sucked out right um we also have this like time we have this like weird relationship with time where we think that like or at least me i think that like the way things are now if i'm not thinking about it i feel like the way things are now are the way they're always going to be and so it's easy to get like disappointed or upset about like i'm not where i'm i'm not at where i want to be <clears throat> or, you know, whatever it is. And we also like, not only that, but I think forget how much time we really have. Like, 
I think we're pretty young and like if there was something that we wanted to do that would take you know 10 years like we could do that and I think it's not often that we think not often that I think on the really long term much yeah I just don't want to wake up in 10 years and be in the same position you know mm -hmm. yeah but then looking back I think five years ago, I was in a completely different place. So five years from now, could very well easily be in a completely different place. And I hadn't made any, I mean, I guess I got married, but other than that, yeah, I, no big deal. <laughs> I hadn't made any like crazy major decisions like, you know, I don't know, I guess six years ago, I moved across the country. So maybe I'm not the best example, but. Yeah. <laughs> But those, those things add up over time. It's hard for us to see through time sometimes. They do. And I think both of us, I mean, I, I imagine most of the people listening to this are pretty hard on themselves too, but I think we take that to an extreme where just the expectations that we have set yeah. for ourselves are astronomical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think we might be harder on ourselves than, than most people this coffee is like going straight to my brain i would notice I like man I'm, i feel like i'm drunk right now <coughs> yeah maybe you should get a cup before we start next time what's that maybe you should drink a cup before we start next time that would be the same thing <laughs> this is the first cup of coffee i've had in like probably uh maybe a month really a month and a half yeah why i don't know i go through phases i just don't like to I don't like to depend on stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a strong, independent woman. <laughs> I don't need anything. I don't need no man. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk so, about your book. Okay. Well, I have one more question. Yeah, what, uh, coming away from, or did you finish this book? You said you read it like two yeah. weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, you can, I mean, this book, I think I read it in a day and a half, so. Yeah, are there any... Uh, like takeaways for you, actions or questions to ask yourself? What, like, what do you walk away from this book with? Again, the big one is go an extra mile and I still don't feel like I'm necessarily doing that, but mm -hmm. just like no matter whether I'm in a job that I wanna be in or I'm not in a job, or whether I'm in a job that I don't wanna be in or whether I'm in a job I wanna be in, like I should be putting <coughs> all of my effort into it because by doing that right it's more likely you know this is i guess kind of mystical or spiritual but karma or whatever like you get what you you get what you put out you like, reap what you sow you reap what you sow yeah so let's make it biblical but <laughs> um, i guess that's that's the immediate one but all of them are everything in that book is relevant for me yeah I just I'd probably read it again if I didn't have like 50 other books that are lined up. Right? It's so hard. <coughs> huh. All right. But I've talked enough. Let's hear about yours. Okay. What's so, God's name? I thought it was God. God's a title. Ah. So, um, yeah, it's called God Has a Name, John Mark Comer. It just came out like two weeks ago, I think. And it digs into the, that, this, um, this, this, 
concept, I guess, of like, of course, God's not his name, right? The, the basis for that is in the Hebrew Bible, the word that is used for God is Elohim, which could be God singular or God plural. Yeah. And it's used all over in different ways. Like, for example, we know in, in the Genesis creation story, when it uses that word, we know that it's singular based on the, the way that the sentences are structured and stuff. But there are other places that it talks about other gods and, and stuff like that, the gods of Egypt and whatnot. But this book is really cool because it, it focuses in on, um, I think it's Exodus 34. I don't remember off the top of my head, but when... Um, God calls Moses up to the mountain <clears throat> and passes in front of him and as he does uh, I don't have this memorized so I'm reading it just so you know he declares he says Yahweh Yahweh the compassionate and gracious God slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness rebellion and sin yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished he punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation and so the way he, that he structures this book is he kind of takes that line by line, right? And he kind of goes deep into each one. So like abounding in love is one line? Yeah. Abounding in faithfulness? Like um, love and faithfulness go together. Okay. So abounding in love and faithfulness. Uh, before that, you have the compassionate and gracious God. Yep. And then you have slow to anger. Um, and it starts with, <clears throat> starts with Yahweh, Yahweh. And Yahweh um, comes from the burning bush when Moses asks God, like, who am I going to tell them? Who am I going to yeah. tell Egypt and the Israelites that you are? And God says, I am that I am. Basically, like, who I have been, I will be forever. Um, and even though right there, Moses actually is asking, like, the meaning of God's name, because it carried a lot of weight with them, right? It's like your character, your who you are, your destiny. And... Um, he asks that at the burning bush, but God doesn't tell him until later, until yeah. he's led them out of, Moses has led them out of Egypt and they're up on the mountain. <clears throat> and um, what's cool, what he's emphasizing a lot of here is, well, first of all, this passage is, not only is it, it so it's, the rest of the Bible, right, we get people describing God. We know how, like, crazy that is for us to try to describe him. Which is why you have so many words. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this is the only passage that we have where God is describing himself. Um, not only that, but this is the most quoted passage in the Bible by the Bible. It's quoted literally hundreds of times throughout. <clears throat> we miss it a lot of times because it's, you know, translations kind of lose the the flavor of it so you don't catch it as easily but um, the what the author is emphasizing kind of here is is you know this is important this is like the a turning point in our understanding of God but then also this is the name is a relational thing like I wouldn't call I wouldn't go around calling my wife by just my wife I wouldn't just call her the wife all the time a hey, woman Hey, hey, the wife. Uh, I'm not going to say. Okay. So, no, but I call her by name because, like, I have a relationship with her. Yeah. Um, and this author, he, he's, he thinks that we should get back to using that name, um, being that it's much more relational. So what, a, a Jehovah, like Yahweh? Yahweh. Yeah. So have you been implementing that, like? Uh, yeah, Rachel and I have kind of here and there, and it's been 
it's been weird probably just because it's not uh, usual. Yeah. But um, to me, there's something like to me, words mean a lot to me, and I like when I'm talking or when I'm writing or whatever it is, I like choose my words really carefully. Yeah. Um, and so like having gone through most of this book now, I'm three quarters of the way through, um, and like understood kind of all that comes with that name, if, it, if, if you will, um, means a lot to me. I love one of the biggest like concepts that I've kind of walking away from this with is that the order of what God says is important. Like the first thing is usually the most important thing, um, especially like in the Hebrew culture there. And the very first thing he says is the compassionate and gracious God. In this passage? Yeah. yeah. He says his name and then he says the compassionate and gracious God. And this author goes into example after example of how mercy and compassion and grace is his default like we we sometimes think of God especially in the Old Testament as like this just angry wrathful you know God but even in those examples where it seems like he's just angry and just like killing people left and right this author he goes and shows how like no actually he's being really merciful like the Canaanites for example when the Israel's when Israel, their conquest of Canaan, um, the Canaanites had 430 years to repent. Like yeah. God had told Abraham, I'm not gonna let you in there yet because I want, I want to give them a chance basically. Um, and they didn't. Um, and by the way, like some of the stuff they were doing was n insane. Um, <clears throat> but compassionate and gracious and then, you know, slow to anger, um, kind of that same thing. And the, the other thing that I like is that in every chapter, he goes through, um, he takes the concept and he ties it first to, oh, that's a long chapter. He kind of goes into the concept, but then he ties it to Jesus in every chapter because Jesus is the, like the full embodiment of God. Um, and we see everything, I think, Played out fully so everything in, in that passage, essentially, like yeah. So the slow is to anger. What Jesus's character is, yeah. Yeah, slow to anger. For example, like he uses the example of the temple when Jesus drives people out, and he says, you know, a lot of people see that as like he just goes ham on everyone, like seemingly for no reason. I mean, we know the reason, but it's like out of nowhere. We're like. You couldn't have used the term going ham back in those days. They no, wouldn't have liked that. No, they wouldn't. It's not kosher. <laughs> but what we don't realize about that is Jesus was... Maybe that's why he was crucified, because he went ham. I'm just kidding. Sorry. Yes and no. <laughs> but, uh, but he was a teacher in the temple. So he's been in this temple his entire life and they've always been there and he's never done this before like this happens the week that he's the week before he's crucified and um, this author kind of says that that goes to show like this slow to anger like he's um, he's merciful and he's gracious but God does have that that righteous anger that um, and it's never like our anger which comes from a place of selfishness it's always a place of his anger always comes from love, like love. He loves, um, you know, Jesus loved his people so much 
and the, the, these people in the temple were totally corrupting. Well, I think that's a good why thing. That, that is a reason a lot of people have a problem with like the Old Testament yeah. vision of God that they have because it's like, here's this angry guy, and it's like, how can you be loving like Jesus was and be an angry person at the same time? Yeah, they can't. They don't see that you know sometimes anger is justified. Yeah, totally. And the um, the author in this book does a great job of of teasing that out and kind of explaining yeah. um, explaining that. Um, and you the seem to like these books where it's like it takes the Old Testament and because like, that's I feel like that's what the, yeah. the Garden City one it was like the Old Testament and putting a new spin on it and making you appreciate maybe something that you hadn't seen before. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it is because I'm I'm reading the Bible in the year, and so I'm in the Old Testament right now, and I'm reading a plan that is just, like, I'm just reading the Old Testament. Yeah. It's not, like, mixing up from different places. Um, so as I'm going along, like, I'm, what I'm reading and what I'm listening to and stuff, it almost all of it relates to that. Um, it's like is, I was eating, for breakfast this morning, I was eating a banana and a chewy bar, uh-huh. and, like, I had to eat the banana and the chewy bar at the same time because the banana was at the same time well like i would eat the banana oh. i'd eat a bite of the banana and then i'd eat a bite of the chewy bar why because the banana was like brown and oh. it was like getting to that texture where it was disgusting Ooh. so i needed something like crunchy so I'd, to me like your bible reading plan sounds like just eating that banana <laughs> a crunchy banana <laughs> <laughs> No, a non-crunchy banana. A non-crunchy banana. Yeah, it's just like a mushy banana. But so you need this kind of book to help make it crunchy. Exactly. Boom. Boom. Uh, Yeah. I can't drink coffee anymore. I can't get that (laughs) weird mental image of a crunchy banana out of my mind. That's the title. That's the title of this podcast. You come up with a great title. I wonder if anybody read uh, Two Cabins, One Lake as a result of my... I'm going to say probably not. Yeah. But if you did, let us know. (laughs) And let us know how it was. Wait, did you read the whole thing? Maybe. No, I never read it. I did read Fifty Shades of Danny, though. It recommended it to you. Wait, what? Fifty Shades of Danny? It's my memoir. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. I don't know what to do with this. Sounds like a good book, though. Sorry for interjecting. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, the other thing that's <clears throat> interesting about this, because um, he's very, he he goes into, like, he brings in the original language and the original words that, like, not everywhere possible, everywhere helpful, yeah. but he does it in such an accessible and easy way. Meaning like he uses the Hebrew? Yeah, Yeah. so the Elohim for God, or the yeah. um, Yahweh, and what does that actually mean? Um, which is just, I am, uh, it's actually he is. Um, but then, so like the, the second half kind of of this, of this passage, um, he says, um, Abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. 
Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Which if you read that and you think about it and you're like, wait, like I'm going to be parent punished for my dad's sin yeah. or like my grandkids are going to be punished for my sin. Um, and he does a great job of, of saying, no, actually, like that's one of those things that's kind of the meaning of it is kind of lost in translation because this what God's saying here, there's like this kind of poetic flow to it. And the maintaining love to thousands actually should have generations after it. So it's maintaining love to thousands of generations. And then you contrast that with um, the, the punishes the children and their children to only the third and fourth generation. Like when you contrast those, obviously his love is way greater than the punishment. And the punishment is not like a uh, penalty, like punishment. It's there are consequences to sin. It's like a discipline. Yeah. And so what he's saying is the consequences to sin, I'll only let them go as far as three or four generations. But my love and faithfulness extends to thousands. So I've really loved this. I actually, I got to print this, um, this passage. I'm going to print it and like try to memorize it. Meaning the scripture passage? Yeah. And what, where is it again? Um, it's Exodus 34, verse 6 and 8, 6 through 8. So again, we, I feel like we hear all the time that John 3, 16 is like the most important scripture in yes. the Bible. And it's almost like you're saying that this, un, not unknown, but this almost like kind of. No, this, uh, this it's is. The, it's the unsung verse yeah. of the Bible. This actually is the John, so Jesus Day, uh, you know. That was the before, John That was the John six. That was like people with rainbow afros were going around <laughs> with signs like Exodus, yes. whatever. Yeah, To like exactly. the gladiator events and things like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's why. We should do that. We should go around with like some, we, we can't do the rainbow afro because that's already been taken, but we should find something where we can go around to different places and hold up a sign that says Exodus. Exodus 34. Yeah. <laughs> and people will give us such weird looks. I don't think that's any different from what's going on right now. But They'll go, you're going to punish kids? <laughs> uh, so yeah, this book has been really cool, especially it's been really transformative in like my thinking on God and how I understand his character and really enjoyed it so again beyond the it sounds like you're trying to use that name um, yeah and it's also kind of transformed the way that you see him in the Old Testament but what else would you say if anything is like coming out in your actions or what have you taken away beyond that um, it's a very different I think one of the most not applicable, but yeah, I guess one of the most applicable ways is recognizing, has been for me over the past few, past week or so, recognizing his default, like God's default emotion to us, towards us, is compassion yeah. and mercy and grace and love. It's easy to forget that. Yeah, especially when we have this, I would call this fake image of an angry God in the Old Testament that we don't, we completely miss, yeah. you know, that this is his rare, um, his rare anger, but he's been slow to anger this whole time. Um, and his default is compassion and mercy. And that the way that's played out for me is like, I've been able to 
um, like check myself or or say to others like hey like if you're this is you know you don't have to feel like God's looking down on you you don't have to feel like he's disappointed with you his default emotion towards you is compassion and mercy and he wants to be there and he wants to help you um, and that's completely different that, than this yeah. this like weird idea of God that we get that he'll just like he's just going to get angry with us over nothing well you would think that if that was true then he would have done that a long time ago it's like yeah. you know if, if we created something that operated as poorly as we as humans do yeah we probably would crush it and destroy it and start all over again yeah like, and here he is like continuously giving us second chances and third chances and yep and that that kind of points to the other thing that has been like most transformative for me is that he's relational like yeah and we say that a lot but i think sometimes we don't get the whole meaning of it because like when we look at moses he has conversations with god he actually god at one time says exactly that like i'm like I made a mistake, I'm done with this, I'm going to wipe the Israelites out and reboot the system. And Moses talks him out of it. Yeah. And like, I think we miss sometimes the, that back and forth, and we think it's one way or the other, but there's such this back and forth. And I, I love like reading Moses' conversations with God, because he's like so honest and yeah. like open, and still, even when he makes God angry, God's still merciful towards him. Like, it's so cool. So that's been one of those things of of um, like this isn't a one-way street either way like there's a relation rena- relational piece um, that's at the center of all of it yeah I also like the um, the hierarchy of like the passage like you were talking about how like compassion and mercy are his first things because if we go back to the book that I was talking about and we talked about just how hard on ourselves we can be yeah it's like if God's default isn't to be hard on us, then why is it like, mm, why, why is our default to be hard on ourselves, you know? Or others. Or other people, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's my takeaway. I haven't read your book, but I appreciate you sharing that. That was cool. It sounds like they tie together pretty well, though. I think they do. Cool. Yeah. How long have we gone? 35 minutes. Wow. We'll see if anybody actually listens to this whole thing. Or if anybody, I guess we'll know because somebody will get to Crunchy Banana or <laughs> Fifty Shades well, of Danny. That's yeah. like our... Um, Maybe we should make the title Fifty Shades of Danny that we would have, our audience would explode. I don't <laughs> think so. We kind of had... Maybe not the audience that we want. But yeah. Although, yeah, never mind. <laughs> All right, well... Thanks for listening again. Uh, If you have any thoughts, let us know in the comments. Uh, We are on iTunes now, um, so you can check us out there if you listen to other podcasts. What do they search again? What's the title? NTO feed. It's What Are You Reading? That's it? Question mark? I don't know. uh, There might be a question mark. But you'll see our faces, so it'll be pretty obvious. Yeah. I'm sorry that you have to see our faces. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny if you're watching the SoundCloud one. Because it'll, like, on your phone, it'll start really close to your face. And then as it slowly moves forward, you get to my face. So for most people that probably don't get their way through this whole podcast, all they see is your face just right right there. So That's weird. I don't 
I like to think about Maybe that. Maybe I won't drink coffee next time either. I'm like so jittery. Um, but yeah, happy Easter, guys. Thanks for listening if you did. Um, yeah. Definitely read that Greatest Miracle book and check out Luke's book also, God Has a Name. We'll post them both on the web, on the Facebook page. So. Yep, we'll have links to both of them if you want to see them. Uh, so yeah, again, happy Easter. And we'll see you guys later. See ya.